Good morning, Jim English. How are you? I could not be better. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. So this is Jim English and Super Dave, and we're going to talk a little NBA. Welcome to the Who Gives a Shit Files. And Super Dave, as always, we start this off. This is, is, is a memoriam, a testimonial to our dear friend, Randy Larson. And we always kick it off with a couple of thoughts about Randy. So why don't you start, Super Dave? And by the way, Super Dave did not give himself the nickname Super Dave. Thank okay? you. <laughs> he was bequeathed that. So uh, just, just to keep that straight. Well, I met Randy Larson in 1970 in Manhattan Beach. And uh, our friendship lasted uh, 50 years. And I really encourage anybody that uh, has friends, uh, no matter what age you are, the, the longer uh, your friendship lasts, uh, the more enriching it can become. And Randy and I started off as uh, you know, basketball opponents, became basketball teammates and friends and uh, the association with him. And then now as it is extended to all our mutual friends, Jim, it's a, it's a wonderful thing that we're able to dedicate this broadcast to, to Randy every time we do it, Jim, and it's, it makes it that much more special to think about uh, maybe Randy somewhere in a much better place, uh, looking down and listening to us and remembering our times together, Jim. So uh, you were a roommate of his and I was just a, a friend, but he meant so much in our life. And I think it's a good testimony to other people to uh, cherish the friendships you have. No question about it. I mean, it's very sobering when a close friend dies and passes away. And, you know, looking back on it, you know, I wish I would have spent more time with Randy than I did the last couple of years. Uh, but nonetheless, he was in my thoughts. And now because of the loss to him, I'm spending some more time with other friends and I'm making more of an effort to stay in touch with people from the past because of the fact that it's fleeting and it's not going to last forever. So Randy's had a profound effect on my behavior and what I do even after his passing. Well, that you just tagged on exactly what I, what my thought was that it's, it's something that uh, we're doing to uh, our little uh, act of uh, a tribute to Randy, but I, I think it's a, an example to others that uh, think about the friendships, and you're right, how fleeting life can be. And uh, as the old Cat Stevens song uh, used to say, we're only dancing on this earth for a short while, Jim. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I think that... Uh... Anybody who's listening to this podcast, pick up a phone and call an old friend. You know, don't email them, don't text them. Pick up the phone and call a good friend or go have coffee or lunch or stay in touch. Because once again, life is fleeting. It's ephemeral. And it's not going to last forever. So reach out to those who mean something to you. Good advice, Jim. Really good advice. Well, so the playoffs now, are pretty uh, they're steaming along here, aren't they? I love it. I love the intensity. I love the chippiness. I love the fact that everybody is all in. I mean, none of these guys are, are, are dogging it at all. There's such intensity. 
and such physicality. Which games would you like to start with or what series? I'll let you start the, the ball rolling here, Super Dave. Well, I think uh, the, the Celtics-Bucks series is, is quite fascinating because, uh, you know, you and I had both talked about uh, the Celtics possibly being the, uh, our choice to come out of the East. A lot of our uh, friends of, uh, of Randy are big Celtic fans. For whatever reason, it seems like we have a, a whole lot of Celtic fans on our side. But they're down in the series to Milwaukee, the defending world champions, two games to one. Uh, but uh, I think the consistency of defense will ultimately tell the tale. Uh, it seems like the the team that is the hottest is uh, is the team that can pull it out at any given time. And these games have been close. And uh, uh, even down two to one, I'm still leaning towards the Celtics, Jim. Well, and it's interesting you say that because, you know, the uh, the last game – who is by far their best player only got 10 points and one rebound and he was 0 for 6 from the three-point land yet Boston only lost by a point in the last second uh, and that's because you know Jalen Brown had 27 points 12 rebounds and four assists and Al Holford had 22 points 16 boards and five assists. I mean, these people stepped up, and it was only a one-point loss. I mean, it's it's really hard. It's really hard to to pick against Boston because of the way they play defense and their diversified portfolio of players that can score. And I like Boston still to come out, even though they're down one. And the next game is in Milwaukee, isn't it? Yes, I believe it is. Yeah. So that means that there is a whole lot of pressure on Boston. We saw in game two where Boston had their back against the wall and absolutely ran Milwaukee out of the gym. I expect that to happen. I expect Tatum to have an unbelievable night considering uh, tonight after he, he's going to bounce back from his, his Sunday, sorry, his Saturday night performance where he was, he was really abysmal. He's so had a I, couple of off games, I've thought. Yeah, you're right. He is, he is not played up. But uh, I think the, the, the once again, going back to the defense, I think they're going to have to somehow double onto the Kumbo because he, when he gets to the hole – He's just—he's just destroying them inside. And if they get hot from the outside, uh, uh, the the Celtic defense is going to really have to be switching. Yeah, there there is no doubt about it that that uh, the Greek freak Giannis is just a monster. You know, he is a generational type player. I mean, you know, people take Jokic; they think that he's the Joker is going to be the MVP, and you can make an argument for him, definitely, without question. But I have to tell you that if I was going to take one player, I would take Giannis. There's just no answer for him because he – I mean, they try to they try to um, finesse him. They try to get – you know, they try to beat him up physically, and you just can't do it. He is just too good. He's got too much of a first step. He can He can 
He's shooting mid-range. He's even hitting the threes okay. Well, that's what I'm going to say. It's scary that he's actually uh, improving in some areas where other uh, superstars are really at their peak. But you see Giannis getting better and better as a shooter. As a three-point shooter and as a free thrower. Yeah, and, you know, there's there, he is just – he is remarkable. But I'm still going to go with the defense of Boston – and also, too, is that, you know, I think Tatum is going to erupt like crazy in the next couple of games because he's frothingly mad. He's a rabid dog right now because of his performance the last couple of games. Well, I don't know, Jim. It's a, it's a case where you and I are so in so alignment. I'm, I'm a little worried that, but you know, only <laughs> one of us could do this show, and I think it, would, it wouldn't change the opinions much. Well, we just come from the same background. Maybe that's it. That's exactly yeah. – uh, you just absolutely picked my brain. That's exactly what my thoughts on this. Even though the Celtics are down 2-1, I, I like their chances. But yet I don't think it's going to be easy. And I'm almost certain this is going to go seven games, Jim. No question. Uh, there's no question in my mind it's going seven games. And I think one reason that we agree on this is because – of the defense of the Celtics. They play stellar defense, and and they're very consistent. Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Horford, Williams. I mean, they've got a lot of really good defensive players, and I think that defense wins championships. And they're also, they also take care of the ball pretty well, so I'm still sticking with my pick, although, you know, Giannis is <laughs> – he's pretty scary, Super Dave. You know, there's a vernacular now in the, in the game of basketball that uh, really wasn't around when we were playing. It. It's the contested shot. That's what defense is. It's contesting every shot to go in out to the three-point line. I always tell people, I remember – so vividly my playing days and uh, I, I could keep my stats because after a game, Jim, I could count my misses, uh, uh, you know, and all I had to do is look at the scores score sheet to see my makes. And I could, I could tell you my free, uh, my field goal percentage. Well, I, I always contend. I never, I never shot an air ball in my basketball career, uh, Jim. Now, I know it's hard to believe, but it's because I never shot contested. I I waited for an open shot. I didn't I, I didn't try to force it up there. And I think now the the way defense is played uh, and the way the the offense moves the ball around, you're looking for that one little just a little bit of space to get the shots off. And the the teams are so good now in terms of moving the ball that the the better defense can that contest every shot is going to ultimately come out on top. So I think that's what we're talking about when we're talking defense. It's to see how close these guys can get to the, the shooters at the three-point line and when they pull up for their jumpers. So uh, I think that's a that's a fascinating series. And going over to the west side, uh, the, the series I'm kind of focused on is the Grizzlies and the Warriors. What do you think of that series, Jim? I, I love that series. And, the you know, the – Let's talk about, okay, so I did, you know, you know how Super Dave, I love to torture numbers, okay? So I took a look at the the, the Grizzly stats in the last game, the, the game that uh, they lost in Golden State, and they scored 110 points, 
They took care of the ball because they only had 10 turnovers. They shot 30, almost 38% from three-point land. John Morant scored 34 points by himself, yet they lost. The Grizz lost by 30. By 30 in spite of all of in spite of shooting the three-point well, in, st- in spite of their star having 34 points in a stellar night, in, st- in spite of, like, only 10 turnovers, so they took care of the ball, they shot it well, yet they lost to the Warriors in one of the most dazzling displays of offense I have ever seen, Super Dave, and I'm talking about the Warriors. Well, I think that is actually going to be the difference in the series uh, plus, there's an injury now to to Morant, so we don't know how how that plays out. But I I do think the Warriors uh, still have the better shooters. They just uh, there's just too much firepower, and if you can uh, if you can slow down uh, John Morant, then uh, the the shooters on Golden State are just going to be I think too much to overcome. I mean, there's so. The, the Warriors shot 53% from the three-point line, right? Your buddy Kominga, who you said in the beginning of the year was going to be a good player, well, guess you were right. He well, had, it, took, it took a long time, but he seems to be finally emerging. But I, I think we'll see him really next year is when his, he's going to emerge. But uh, he's getting there. He He arrived. So – in the last game, he had 18 points in 18 minutes. 18 points in 18 minutes. Now, Poole had 27 points. Steph and – oh, and the bench. So the, the bench um, had 51 points, the bench did, for Golden State. I wow. mean, they are loaded. And the bench had 34 assists. So this and all the stats and, you know, Jordan Poole had 27 points and all these stats that I'm talking about don't include the fact that the Splash Brothers, not the triplets, but the Splash Brothers combined for 51 points by themselves. I mean, it was just the most dazzling display of offense, Super Dave, than I can remember in any sort of playoff game, maybe the May Day Massacre where Boston killed the Lakers in the finals. Oh, uh, Jim, that was, get, get back on the couch, Jim. Yeah. Those, <laughs> these ugly thoughts are coming back from your childhood. <laughs> yes, they are. Well, oh. this was adulthood. But uh, nonetheless. You um, can still you see know, that the, bouncing shot by Don Nelson, can't you, Jim? I knew it was going to go in. They were down. So the Lakers in that series were up three to one, and I knew they were going to lose. I just knew it. I mean, there was just no doubt in my mind they were going to lose. And I know that that leprechaun sitting on the rim that dunked the Don Nelson shot. I mean, oh, God. We have to to do a slight aside, Jim, to, to tell people about your, your long history as a, as a Laker lover and, uh, and how those those many years where the Celtics just uh, put away the Lakers, and uh, of course Jerry West was part of those teams, and he never, he just thought he'd never get over that hump with the uh, Celtics. But it's we kid about your 
uh, therapy that we have to go through at least once every show of our podcast because of those ugly memories that come come to when, oh. we, when we ha when lay you on the couch and, and go into your deep, dark past. Yes, because, okay, so the, the Celtics beat the Lakers seven times in a row in the finals in the 60s. <laughs> but who's counting? And, yeah, and every time Red Arbach would light up that damn cigar of his on the bench and I just wanted to, you know, I wanted to shoot him. I wanted, <laughs> you know, I was, but anyways, yeah, so uh, thank you for letting me. Well, that's why when we refer to the couch in your therapy, I want everybody to know what we're talking about because it's kind of funny <laughs> to, to, to share with you and your passion just always seeps through when, when we talk about the, the Lakers and the Celtics. Well, you know, now they're tied at least. They're tied. They both got 17 championships. If the if the Boston wins this one, they'll have 18, so they'll have one more than the Lakers. Yeah, but, I think they're going to have to wait a little while for the next Laker one, Jim. I'm sorry to say. Yeah, I hope, I, I hope I'm alive <laughs> when it happens. But, you know, the, I have to tell you, Golden State is just just looking so good. I mean, you know, when you get 51 points – off your bench, fifty-one points from your two headliners, you know Steph and Clay. You know, I mean, that is such an offensive juggernaut. Fifty-three percent three-point shooter. I mean, it's it's remarkable. I mean, it was just such an incredible, dazzling display of offense. And I really like the the Warriors in the series, especially if jaw is, is, uh, is hurt. And they say, you know, at now everything that I looked it up, I, you know, doing some research, I looked it up super Dave and everybody says he is doubtful, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if he plays because the man's got guts and he's tough. No, I, I agree. But I, I, I too don't think that uh, whether he's healthy or not, I, I don't think, I think this is the one series that, that ends, uh, uh, in probably in five, actually, I, I just don't think that uh, they they can keep up. I think uh, I told you that I expected Clay Thompson to to finally hit his stride, and he has been. Uh, Dramond Green is healthy. Jordan Poole is playing out of his mind. Uh, they've just got Wiggins is playing well. Curry is Curry. I mean, they're they've just got too many weapons for uh, the Grizzlies. And it's, uh, you know, it's a nice effort. I think it's going to be a case where those those teams that are just getting to the top of the league and the cream is rising to the top, it's going to take another year, a little bit more experience for John Morant and his boys uh, to, to carry on. So I, I think the Warriors are going to are going uh, to sweep through the series, Jim. I agree. And you know what? You can write down in the box score – for every single playoff game that Andrew Wiggins is going to have 16 points and eight rebounds and play tough defense. You know, there is a guy who has really thrived in that culture and he loves not being part of the spotlight. Oh yeah. Cause if he was Jim, the defense would be focusing on it, but he, he could slip through the cracks with all those other weapons. The Warriors have. Yes, and he's, a, he's a good mid range shooter. And he also, you know, um, I heard him talking and somebody asked him if he's, you know, if he missed the spotlight and he goes, no, I get plenty of 
I get plenty of spotlight in locker room when they're talking about defense, and that's where I'm committing myself is who I'm guarding. So you've got really unbelievable wings in terms of defense with Clay and Andrew Wiggins. And, you know, that when you have that defense to go with that incredible offensive organization juggernaut, they're a juggernaut, that it's just, it's just hard to bet against them. And, you know, I agree with you that Jaw and the Grizz are a good young team. They have every reason to be optimistic. But they're not battle-tested yet like the Warriors are. And Steve Kerr is just an outstanding coach and pulls all the right strings and pushes the right buttons. Uh, and I just think that, that is, uh, that's the only series I think that's uh, really uh, all, almost over. But we'll see how it plays out. Now, I would, I would agree with you there. I don't think there's too much doubt about it. Now, what do you think about the – the Suns and the and um, the Mavericks. What do you think about that series? I think that that series goes seven games. Uh, I, the the one thing I was uh, concerned about uh, was the fact that uh, when Booker got hurt, that that might uh, compromise them. But uh, he's now back healthy. Uh, that team uh, is still the best team on paper. Uh, and they're, they're coming back to their form that they carried out through. But the Mavericks are playing at a real high level. Uh, and, and I still don't think that uh, Luka Donich has, has reached his peak yet. You know, he's playing okay, but he can, he's still got more to go. And they've got some other weapons around it. Uh, I think the Suns emerged there, but I think that's going to be a tough series the rest of the way. I agree. I mean, one thing that concerns me, and this is historical precedent, is that, you know, Chris Paul gets worn out this time of year. Now, last year, he did not get worn out, uh, but he's a year older, and there's been other series where he's been hobbled a bit, like when he had uh, Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan back in their prime five years ago or so. And I'm hoping, because I want to see these games go seven. I mean, I, I want to see these series go seven games. I love the competitiveness of the NBA, the intensity this time of year. And the only way that this game this will go seven is if Chris Paul is relatively healthy. And, you know, I, I think Charles Barkley on his, uh, the NBA Inside uh, show has said it that because he remembers back to when he was uh, at the end of his career and he said he could get up for, you know, one game, but sometimes the next game or, or, you know, he, he realized that he just didn't have the same stamina. I think that's what we're seeing with Chris Paul. There's times when he's at his, at his peak, but there's other times when he's worn down and, and the human body doesn't have a, an exact regulator. That's a, a little switch you can turn on and off. It, it sort of goes at its own pace. Uh, I certainly know because my body ran down pretty quick. Uh, but I, I'm really uh, – I think Barkley makes a good point that uh, Chris Paul is one of those guys that if he's at his peak, he's as good as he ever was. But then he uh, – there's times when you can see he just doesn't have uh, as much uh, gas left in the tank. Yes, and, and the, you, know, the, you know, it's interesting. This has been a tale of, of home – 
court advantage because, you know, if you take a look at this, both of these teams are guard oriented. You know, you've got Booker and Chris Paul and for the Suns, and then you have Luka Doncic and, and Brunson for the Mavs. And at home in, for Dallas, the backcourt has outscored the, – the Mavs backcourt has got 98 points. The Suns backcourt's only got 70 29 assists to 22 and 32 rebounds compared to 18. So, you know, at home, it really looks like the, the Mavs have a distinct advantage. As a matter of fact, here's something interesting. The Mavs shot 45% from three-point land, in spite, and that includes Luka being one for 10 from three-point land. Oh, yeah, the over- Benny Smith is hitting and Kleber's hitting. And, yeah, they've got some weapons outside other than Dantes. Yes, they, and, you know, once again, you got you got uh, Kid pulling the strings and making, you know, playing a lot of small ball and getting open three-point shots like they did in the Utah series that, to me, was the difference in the series. So if they can continue to do this and Chris, Chris Paul is not playing at his peak, there's a problem here because they're so Chris Paul oriented that if, uh, if he's not healthy, I just don't see him winning. Well, I, I can still see them winning even with him out, uh, not 100%, but I, that's why I think this game goes, goes seven because I think the, the Suns are the better team They've had the better uh, season overall, but the Mavericks seem to be starting to peak at the right time. And we had talked about that just prior to the playoffs. I think that's a, a real key to success in the playoffs. If you're, if you're running on all cylinders at the right time. And I think that's the only reason the Mavericks are making this close, because as you said, I don't think Chris Paul is a, is a hundred percent every game. I think the one game when he was 14 for 14, he certainly was, Never seen a, a performance like that, but at other times, uh, uh, and and Booker is pretty consistent. But there are other there are, uh, other uh, complimentary players are not always on target. So I think the Mavericks playing at the highest level and the Suns not quite at their peak makes this a real competitive series, and I expect it to go seven. Yeah. So Chris Paul in his last two games. In um, the last game, the game the other night, he was 5.7 assists. The game before that, he w- which was also in Dallas, he was 12-4. and four. So he is clearly not playing at his peak. So I'm hoping he gets healthy quickly and maybe some good old home cooking will jumpstart him a little bit because they're going to need him. Now, Booker, Booker is back because he had, what, 35 yesterday oh, and man, seven assists. Is, that is one hell of a shooter. He was tearing it up. And he's, you know, he can shoot the three. He can go to the hoop. You know, he's, you know, he's, he's really good at the mid-range jumper. The floaters along the baseline. I mean, he is just a wondrous offensive player. 
and he seems to be 100% healthy, but I still think Chris Paul is the engine that makes them go. Do you, do you notice about Chris Paul that in the first three quarters, he's running the offense, but he's mostly dishing it off. He'll get into the lane. He won't pull up for that mid-range jumper until the fourth quarter. <laughs> then all of a sudden, in the fourth quarter, if they're not, if Booker's not on fire and they don't have the, uh, the other weapons, uh, you know, uh, blazing, you'll see Chris Paul. And he used to do that for the Clippers. It's amazing how he can take over a fourth quarter. And not only is he keeps distributing, but he hits that little pull-up 12-footer and absolutely does not miss in the fourth quarter. I, you know, it's amazing. He has been doing that for so long, you think the defenses can adjust. Oh, yeah. But you his... almost have to change the defense in the fourth quarter for him because that's he's not taking that shot in the first three quarters. I mean, I, I've seen it for years now, and I, I'm not the only one that's got to be observing that, Jim. No, it's – you know, it's his M.O. It's the way he does it. That's the way he plays. And it's just hard to believe with all the seven-footers patrolling the paint and all the, you know, the six-eight, six-seven athletes that are, you know, a half a foot to a foot taller than him, he can still break loose from 12 feet and hit jumpers over people. I mean, it's astounding if he's healthy. Yeah. The key. The key. So I think that series comes down to the health of Chris Paul. If Chris Paul is healthy, I think home court advantage, which is for the Suns, will make it the Suns will win. If he is not, you know, 90%, if he's 75% or 60%, he is not, I don't think they're going to win. No, that's, that's pretty much the scenario. So we'll, We'll see how that plays out. But uh, also, and I think Luca getting hot, uh, if he starts throwing in some 40-point 40, 40 games, uh, you're going to see him make up a lot of the difference. I, I don't think he's he's had a, a monster game yet in this series. No, he, I mean, he's been Luca and he's yeah. been tough. But his shooting, percent, his shooting efficiency has not been that great. He's also got a, a, a fair amount of turnovers. Um, but his, his running mate, Jalen Brunson, what a good player. I oh, mean, but he's, he, he's, he can be hot and cold, though, too, sometimes, you know? He can. No question about it. But he is he, – he could play on my team anytime, and he's a free agent next year. And I oh, keep I, thinking – No, I love him as a player. And he can go He can go inside in addition to shooting outside. He has that, that pivot move in the post that he can get around the big boys. And so he's a fascinated player to – to offset uh, Luca, so it's a it, that's going to be a fun series to watch uh, the rest of the way. Yeah, I'm just hoping for a healthy Chris Paul because then it'll it'll be tooth and nail all the way. And I love the chippiness. I love him bouncing Luca around. And I, you know, I got to tell you, I watched the games I watched yesterday. If they would have been on like the playgrounds, there would have been fights. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There would. There would be all-out fights, and but you know you can't do that in the NBA. And you know the refs are, I think, doing a pretty decent job of controlling, the, you know, not letting things get out of hand, and but but also allowing enough physicality and chippiness 
to make it fun, fun, fun to watch. Well, I'm a little bit old school there, Jim, in that I remember the, the way basketball used to be played and there wasn't slow motion for, you know, flagrant fouls. And we, we, we go frame by frame to see if he wound up or if he hit him in the head. I mean, I can't tell you the times I've been hitting the head and low bridge and everything else, you know, and it used to be part of the game. Now, I don't know. It's, uh, you know, they, they better put their big boy pants on at some point and, and let these guys play because I, I'm just getting a little irritated, but in, in both uh, pro football and, and NBA basketball now, it's uh, you know it's a it's a game that I just think they're they're trying to be so super careful on on protecting these guys that they're they're really diminishing the 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 real scramble man on man style that I used to play. So that's a little my old school coming through, Jim. Well, and I you know like I agree is like that, you know, remember what the, the Pistons did to Michael Jordan in the playoffs? Oh yeah. I was... Every, I mean, it, he just got, he got mugged and beaten up and it just toughened Michael Jordan up for his dynasty. With it, the it and, he, and he never complained about it, you know, and they did the same thing that Wilt Chamberlain in the post. Uh, and he never, uh, you know, he never really got mad, and he was as strong as anybody that's ever played the game. But those guys were tough. And then those Detroit Piston-Boston uh, Celtics games with the bad boys and, and some of the, the, the dirty things the Pistons would do. But yet it, there weren't a lot of fights, but it was, it was, uh, it was real, real tough basketball. And there was a style that uh, uh, you, you, could, you could do the finesse style or you could do the, uh, the hard-ass the hard stuff. And it was fun to watch. Yes, and, you know, the thing was is that it's, you know, back back in those days, like in the, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, and into the early 90s, they allowed way more physicality. Huh, you think? And, <laughs> yes, I mean, you, 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 I'm sure you remember Rambus being taken down by McHale. Oh, God, I mean, that, was some, that was one of the most brutal fouls in the history of the NBA. It was, and it was just, it was amazing because, you know, it also that physicality makes for villains. And, you know, I had a dog in that fight. That was the Lakers. And, you know, I hated the Celtics. And I hated the announcing because um, Tommy Heinsohn, who was a former Boston Celtic, was the announcer on ABC and he was like pro Celtic and just, it, uh, just the whole thing made me oh, so he, mad. He was pro Celtic. I didn't know that Jim. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never suspected. <laughs> unlike, unlike me. <laughs> yeah, that's pro right. yeah. Oh, that's the, just, that, but, but anyway, that, that's, uh, I, I still appreciate the current game, but it's getting a little out of hand now. You know, I've played over a thousand games in my life, Jim, I'm sure. And when they start talking about the, the injuries and that whether it's a dirty play that caused it or not, uh, the, the, the injury that, that John Moran had to his knee, they're now trying to say that, that Poole pulled his leg uh, uh, you know, in the scramble. And if you look at the footage of that loose ball, 
when when there's a loose ball, Jim, we all go for the ball and we grab and scrap however we can get it. You might you might pull somebody's arm or leg or something. It's, that's not dirty. That's just basketball. You can't. But when you slow it down and you see that he touched his leg and then you see the results are a sprained knee, then you you link the two together and you say he caused it. But Jim, anytime you go down on the floor or you get hit and, and bodies cl clash, you know, guys that are 6'6", six, 6'8", six, six, uh, you know, 250 pounds slashing each other and getting 44 inches off the ground, you're going to have injuries. And, and, it's, yeah. and it's, it, 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 it doesn't have to result in a fine or a suspension because because of the extent of the injury because you can get injured on something that's just, just a brush and the guy goes down and he hurts himself. So I, I don't really like how they're, 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 they're categorizing these as flagrant one, flagrant two, and then that, that's a dirty play and that's not a dirty play. I mean, we're, we're really just splitting hairs here, Jim. Well, that was not a dirty play. Of course it that wasn't. Was, that was that a basketball was, play. Absolutely. I mean, what you got is you got people scrambling after a loose ball. And, you know, this is the NBA playoffs. People are going to go for it. They're going to dive on the floor. They're going to go through people. And, you know, there was no way that that was a problem. Now, you know, the, the Gary Payton foul, I think the guy did cross the line. Oh, yeah. No, that's that's an example of one that, okay, I'll, I, I'll give you that. That's something that, that is uncalled for. Uh, and that kind of stuff, uh, you know, and like you said, the Mikhail uh, Rambis play was was some, somewhat like that. And that was those, those are obvious obvious ones like that. But when you start, uh, you know, slowing the fr frame by frame and and playing replays on any time there's contact to the head or something, uh, we're, we're getting a little ridiculous. We are, we are. I'd like to see, you know, I'd like to see a little more physicality come come back and you know, it, it, it's game and the athletes are just fantastic now and you know the thing is, is if I was going to do something I would shorten the regular season I know everybody's got to make their money and you know and it, all the employment that comes from the NBA and the parking and the concessions and all the stuff but, you know, these guys can't play like this for 82 games. You can't do it. And I think that John ja Morant, um, now I'm going to equate him to somebody because this person had about the same amount of athleticism as, as, as Jaw. But do you remember David Thompson, obviously, for North Carolina State. And the, oh, um, for sure. And, and Skywalker. Yes. Now, he – he was, when he was in college, he would go to the, and for those who don't know him, he may, he was one of the most explosive players ever. I mean, he had a legitimate 48 inch vertical leap from a standstill and he was blocking Bill Walton shots. And he was a really, he was an excellent NBA player. And in his transition, I'm going to draw this back to John Morant is David Thompson learned to use the 15-foot shot instead of going to the hoop all the time and getting smashed around. And I think Jaw is going to have to do that too, is learn to pull up and not just go balls out to the hoop every time he gets the ball. What are your thoughts on that? 
No, you're absolutely right because it's going to uh, eventually catch up with it because like you said, David Thompson got so high that undercutting him was just a, a, a is the fact of life that they're, he's, he's so high above you and any part of your shoulder, head or the arm that, that touches him is going to take his legs out from under him. And Morant has a way of getting into the lane using either hand and acrobatically going into the air, adjusting his body. But he's going to come down hard a lot of times, and it's going to it's going to have its uh, its negative results. Uh, and you, you sometimes have to tone your game down uh, to to adjust to that. But it's a uh, uh, it, it's a dangerous way to play that high above the rim. It is, and it's you can't. You know, you can't – I don't think you can sustain a career like that, uh, you know, for very long, especially at that size. And, I mean, he's up – you know, he's up 11 feet in the air, and he's 6'3", 175 pounds, and all he's got to do is get brushed a little bit by a player, and it's going to knock him off balance, and he's going he's gonna to fall down either flat on the ground or he's going to land on one leg awkwardly that's going to put real pressure on his knees and ankles, and I just don't think he can sustain it. I hope he does because he is so much fun to watch. Oh, yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I want to see that, but it's a, it's a dangerous game he's playing. But back to your opinion on the, the, the length of the season, I totally agree, Jim, because what we're seeing now and that's another byproduct of not only the physicality and the and the acrobatics that you just described with Morant is the fact that the they they now do use load management and and the stars don't always play every game because you can see the course of the 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 season is not as critical as just making the playoffs. Once you make the playoffs, you see that that anybody has a pretty much a chance. And I think this wide open playoffs that we're seeing this year is a prime example of that and uh, and and why we're enjoying the playoffs and you and I Jim are trying to encourage people to, that that listen to this podcast to turn on the NBA playoffs it's not what you see during the regular season because the intensity of the game the physicality of it the the drama of it is is so heightened but when you have an 82 game schedule where the the the, the players are trying to protect their bodies all year long you don't see the same style of play during the regular season, Jim. You, you, you agree, don't you? No question about it. I mean, it just the, the, everything about the playoffs is just so ramped up, the sense of urgency. And there's, no, there is, there's very little sense of urgency in, you know, during the regular season. Uh, you want to get off to a good start. You want to get off to a good finish. But all that in the middle, I mean, if you're – you know, if you win 60% of your games, you're in the playoffs. And that only gives the team a, you know, a one game advantage is, you know, the home field advantage is just, I'm um, the home court advantage is just one game in a series. So you can, you know, compensate by that, by having, you know, your stars play well. So yes, I think that what we need to do is cut it down to like 70 games and make it more of a sense of urgency totally agree but you know what jim i don't think people are listening to us uh, uh in the nba front offices i don't either it's about money and they need to make their money so, so what do you think about the sixers heat 
that is an interesting series that is that is really boiling over right now. What are your thoughts on that? My thoughts on that series, Jim, are they're, they're now so balanced because uh, it looks like Embiid is going to be getting healthier and healthier. He's wearing the mask, but he, his, uh, his finger doesn't seem to be a problem. He's, he's not playing at his peak yet, but when he does, he's, uh, he's a force. The Heat are going to have to double-team him, which is going to leave some shooters open. But my prediction in this series, it's tied right now as we speak, is that the team that just – and any one of these teams uh, have enough good shooters where they get hot – they're, they're, they're going to win any given game uh, with the majority of the whoever has the hottest shooters. So I just got a feeling this is going to come out to a shootout between these two teams. And I expect this is a, another series, Jim, that's going to go seven games because I cannot predict. And, you know, you and I both know quite a bit about the NBA game. And there's a lot of games that you can kind of have a, a really opinion or on a series who's going to win it. But I can't tell you the winner of this series. I think it goes seven, and I can't tell you which game goes to which team because I think whoever's hot on a given day is going to win this these last games. I would agree. And first of all, I want to give kudos to Joel Embiid for getting out there. He's got a torn he's got a torn tendon ligament in his in his thumb. And he's got a broken face for Christ's sake, and he's coming off a concussion. And that mask makes him look like Hannibal Lecter from Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> That's pretty, and, pretty scary look, isn't it? It is. It, you know, he's, you know, he's not fully back. But I mean, his last two games, he got eighteen and eleven, and twenty four and eleven, and they were doing, they were doing pretty well. Now, the, it was very funny. I was watching the game with my wife last night, and I said, I said, you know. Harden is going to sign for about at the beginning of the fourth quarter, right? Harden has been stinking up the place. Okay. So Harden first three games of the series had 10 points total in the fourth quarter in all those three games. (coughs) And last night Harden had 16 points in the fourth quarter. And I was telling my wife, I'd say, there's no way I would sign this guy because he's a free agent next year. And I just don't think he's that good. And he made me look like an idiot in front of my wife because he was so hot. And once again, 16 points in the in the fourth quarter. He was seven for nine from three-point land. And it just unbelievable. Um, he just he had, he had been playing decent up to this point, uh, you know, averaging about 17 points and eight assists, but last night he just exploded for 31 points. A, a, a dazzling shooting display. No, and, and, and part of the, the advantage of, uh, of him is the fact that with, when, when they have to focus on Embiid, when, and once again, we know Embiid is not uh, anywhere near 100%, but him at 80 or 75% is devastating, and when they have to account for him, then then uh, now all of a sudden Harden can can get his shots and Maxi gets his shots and and all of a sudden you see a 76er team that that is it, it can be very formidable and you gotta you gotta account for those other those other shooters like I said. Yeah, and Maxi is a is a really good example of somebody 
who is stepping up. I mean, I would be very excited if I were Sixer fans about this guy because in the playoffs and this is his first real run into the playoffs, he has increased his season average by five points. I mean, that's significant. Also, he is shooting 42% from three-point land. And by the way, the 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 Sixers shot 40, almost 49% from three point land in game four. So you've got everybody stepping up and hitting those big shots. Whereas the heat in, you know, the home court advantage is so amazing, especially for the role players, but the heat, the heat laid an egg in Philly. I mean, they lost two games now, now, Mr. Butler, Mr. Buckets was a monster. Average, I mean, he scored 73 points in two games, you know, getting, had, he held, he handled the ball so much, had 40, 40 points last game, and he only had one turnover, six assists. But the Heat shot 23%, you know, from three-point land, and, you know, they're so reliant on Hero and Duncan Robinson and some of those other guys to hit those threes. Lowry is clearly not himself. Well, Duncan um, Robinson hasn't been playing at all. And he is a three-point shooter. And I think they think of him as a, a liability defensively. Uh, but uh, uh, he is uh, he is, he is uh, quite the three-point shooter that could make up for that. And Hero is not uh, at the top of his game uh, either he seems to be letting up, and then Lowry is is kind of uh, uh, not a hundred percent. Yeah, he's got that hamstring problem. So the Heat is really depending on Jimmy Butler to to really and 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 Bama uh, uh, Adebayo is is really not uh, you know taking over either. So they've got a few guys, and now all the depot is starting to be part of the mix. So that Heat team could if they if they got all their guys. Uh, up to speed, they could be uh, really formidable. But once again, I don't think either team is anywhere near 100%. No, I would agree. And I mean, if you, I, I think your analysis is right on because every the game, the team that has won each of the first four games is the team that has shot the best three-point percentages. So in the first two games, it was Miami. In the second two games, it was the Sixers. So I think, you know, because if you look at it, you know that Butler is going to be tough. You know Embiid is going to be tough. Let's say, hypothetically, they cancel each other out. So it'll come down to the role players hitting three-point shots, and I think the team that shoots the best three-point shot percentage wins this series. Well, that's basically what I was saying at the beginning of this uh, segment was that I just think that whoever gets hot, because Danny Green is – uh, you know, can get hot at any time too. And so can Tobias Harris for the Sixers. So along with Maxie Harden and, and whatever Embiid does, uh, you know, that that's a that's a team that can all of a sudden erupt them. And we know about the heat. So uh, it, it's just going to be a matter of who's uh, who's got the hot shooters. And I just think it's going to be a fun series the rest of the way. Yeah, I think this goes to seven because I think, I think the Heat are going to shoot a way out, shoot the Sixers 
when they go back to Miami for their next game, I think that's going to be, you know, they're, they're going to light it up like, like uh, Golden State. Well, probably not quite as much as Golden State, but I think that they'll be shooting a lot better. I think Hero comes out and hits a bunch of shots. I think Lowry is slowly getting healthy again. Um, they're going to need, they're going to need those guys to step up big time because just, you know, anecdotally, just from what you were saying, the supporting cast for Philly, I mean, you know, you've got Tobias Harris, who is tough. He's a really good three and Maxi is just so explosive and so fearless and he's hotter than hell right now. So I think it's going to be tough going to be tough for either team i think it comes down to seven and whichever team wins the three-point shooting contest wins the series Uh, we're in agreement there jim that's for sure so uh like i said i just think there's only one of the series uh that is that is really going to be uh uh, problematic uh i i think golden state is going to run away with that uh, series with memphis but otherwise i I, we, we might have your wish Jim, of a lot of seven-game, uh, uh, really exciting seven-game uh, uh, final finales in these series. That's what I'm hoping for, Super Dave. Well, That's it's... what I'm hoping for. Well, listen, so as always, we got the open mic. And in summation, we want you to give your pearls of wisdom about the playoffs, about basketball, about anything you want. It's an open forum. Go ahead and tell us what your thoughts are. Okay, let me give you a, 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 this is a real strange observation I've had. And and it seems to have gotten uh, really heightened in the last couple of weeks. Have you noticed how many players that go into the corner are being called for stepping out of bounds? I have noticed that. Okay. Now, I've been noticing this for years, Jim. Now, now I'm going to ask the listeners to our podcast and you particularly, Jim, I want you to watch for this. I've seen something that is a just a I, I can't explain it, but the referees, here's what they do on a on a baseline or on that that block line, when they call them out of bounds, watch the referee and they'll point. I point right to the guy's shoe. He stepped out of bounds. I've seen replays and, and occasionally you'll see a good view of a replay. And you watch, there's a lot of times, not not the majority of times, but I'd say one out of four times, the guy is not out of bounds, but nobody questions really? it because the referee points to it, and everybody, nobody has a great view of that other than the referee. And play goes on. Nobody, nobody argues. Nobody shows an instant replay. But I'm telling you, I don't think those guys are all stepping out of bounds. I think the referees, for whatever reason, I I, I cannot explain it. I might be dead wrong, Jim. You know, I've been wrong with. Three or four times before, haven't I? Yeah, just a couple, but not many. Okay. Well, I want you to all look for that. I, I can't explain it, but I think the referees are just some ego thing with them. That's close enough. It's right on the line. Uh, you're, you're out of bounds. and Because I, 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 I just don't think those guys all of a sudden in the last year uh, are, are, are stepping out of bounds in those corner shots. I just I don't, I don't understand it. And I, I really think it's the referees that are heightening the, the amount of those out of bounds. And I don't think they're all out of bounds. That's my take, Jim. I'm sticking with it. I like it because I've been noticing 
that that happens, it seems like it happens at least twice a game. Oh, a couple of times a game. Yeah. I I can't think of the last game I watched where it didn't happen. And that never used to be the case. And I've had this idea about it. Not this year, though. It's just, like I said, it's just, it's coming up now more often. But I've seen this in the last couple of years. And I just noticed, and I always get my, when I have it on tape, I'll, I'll, I'll back it up. I'll look, I'll freeze it. And I've, I've proven to myself anyway that a lot of those are just bogus. So something to look for, Jim, and among all the little morsels we give our listeners. I love it. And I definitely have noticed that it's happening way more. And I just assumed that the referees were right. I'm going to keep a sharp eye on Never assume, Jim. Day. You know what happens when you assume. <laughs> I do indeed. I do indeed. Well, Super Dave, thank you. Thanks to the listeners. This has been a fun podcast. And Super Dave, later on in the week, I guess we should do another one, huh? Let's let's, let's keep doing it here because we're getting down to the nitty-gritty here, and it's going to be more and more fun. So, And I just enjoy these talks because it's good to have somebody to, to really kick around the nuances of the game. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's – if people would tune in to us more often, they, they, might, they might enjoy the game a little bit more with our perspectives. <laughs> Thank you, Super Dave, and we will see you later on in the week. God bless Randy Larson. God bless Randy Larson. Thank you for listening.